0: It just seems, Megan, like we keep coming back, we keep hitting the record button, and we keep talking. So I guess that's where we are.
1: It feels like we were just here.
0: <laughs> yeah, gee, I'm wondering where that came from. <laughs> Hello, I am Patrick Cadigan. I am a public school special education teacher who is my co-host.
1: I am Megan Smallwood, and I'm a public school transition coordinator.
0: And we are here for P2 transition or post-secondary transition. I don't know, Megan. What are we doing here?
1: Over the last few conversations, we talked about how we decided we were going to do some one-on-one style conversations to essentially introduce parents to the world of secondary transition and more specifically, post-secondary transition. So we're continuing our way up that ladder. We started with an overview. We covered what a transition coordinator does. We did some timelines, and now we're going to cover the big one, DDA. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the big one. The big one. But we typically have a definition for what post-secondary transition is to start. So what is that definition?
0: So post-secondary transition, it really focuses between ages 14 through 21. And it really helps to answer that question of what do you want for your child after they leave school? We're looking to help answer that question by asking parents to think long-term. The milestones ahead of them, the the research, the resources, the goals you have.
1: And so how do we define long term? Well, what do you want your child to be doing after the school bus stops coming? Right. That's different for everybody. It's a completely individualized experience. So along with that, individuality can come loneliness and in some cases a sense of isolation because it's a really unique experience. But there are other families who are going through this probably the same time you are.
0: Yeah, and along the journey, there's milestones that you're gonna to need to focus on. Some of them are built around time frames, others can be essentially your own time frame when you're comfortable and ready. But using your child child's school experiences will really help While doing that research, using the resources at your disposal, such as your school transition specialists and other teachers, and all of that is imperative. It's a lot of information. There is a lot to consider. And truthfully, in many cases, the answers will not automatically or immediately present themselves. There might be some give, there might be some take, and there will be things that you do that might not have that desired outcome trying to do it all at once can feel really consuming. So, we're here hoping to help clear away some of that fog.
1: Today, we're going to discuss a little more in detail about DDA, the Developmental Disabilities Administration, and all of their...
0: all of the funness that goes along with try- talking and understanding. I was trying about to that. phrase it,
1: yes, in a very <laughs> positive light.
0: <laughs> All right. But. Well, why don't we? Um, why don't we do a general overview? Why, why don't we start with what is DDA?
1: Yeah. So DDA is basically that primary state agency that funds life after twenty-one. That long-term funding. Not to say there aren't different avenues prior to twenty-one, but the big concern I think most of us have at this point is after 21. And that could include like a meaningful day, whether it's employment, volunteering, or community exploration. It's very individualized, whatever is the best fit for your young adult. it it could also include um, residential and personal supports, but we will definitely get more into that those details as we go along.
0: All right. So, and I know that this has come up more than once, but it's always good to do, you know, ask some of the same questions again and again, just as a reminder for parents to uh, hear it and know what's coming up. Um, When should the DDA, because I can say it really fast, five times in a row. When should a DDA application first be completed?
1: So we advise to be completed at age 14, um, which is when those transition pages first begin appearing on the IEP in our county. But you can complete it even before then. And I know many parents who have um, used other resources or providers, You know, especially when a child is first diagnosed, um, especially with autism, many of the people that they come in, into their lives to help them will suggest completing a DDA application, just get it off your plate and taken care of. So there's no harm in doing it prior, but definitely by 14, and the application can be found on DDA's website, or um, if you were in high school, you can ask your transition specialist for a copy, and even if you're not in high school, if your young adult is in middle school, you can still ask the case manager, and they can always get in touch with coordinating transition specialists for the high schools in the area some details in completing the application, um, you need to make sure to include certain documentation with that application. The application does not take long. It's just a couple pages basically asking straightforward information, what the disability is, how much help they need, what other agencies you may have been receiving help from already. But uh, the advice straight from DDA has been to send those uh, applications and documentation electronically.
0: And if I remember correctly, you, that was something that you had recommended out before simply because uh, some of those applications, like, they, get, they can get lost, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. And that happened a lot during the pandemic. I had families who completed it, mailed in hard copies. And once, you know, life somewhat resumed to normal operations, um, DZA did not have any record of it. So it was, like, starting over. So definitely um, send it electronically with that documentation, like I mentioned. And when I say documentation, I'm talking psychological assessments, any medical records that really explain the um, severity of a disability, um, the IEP, a behavior plan, educational assessment. And if you have any questions or if you need copies, you can definitely ask your transition specialist for help with that. Um, But definitely send that along with the application.
0: Well, and I know that it's come up before. One of the things that I feel like was mentioned when we discussed timelines was that like with the evaluations that while you're collecting it, while you're making this binder, this, this home folder, that documentation should be within three years. Is that the, and I, and I remember it specifically in terms of like psychological, but it, does that also apply to like the, the health, the, like the healthcare information as well?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think when they actually do the assessment or you know, talk a little more, and I know with other um, different resources too, like I'm thinking SSI, they want to know within the last three years of any hospitalizations, major surgeries, things like that, um, just to document how recent any medical um, concerns have been. So I will say... And if we don't have it already, maybe we can include the email address for the central region as to where to send the applications for um, DDA.
0: I am not 100% sure that that is on the site. By the time we're done with this uh, conversation, it will be. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, if I remember correctly, uh, because I know that sometimes navigating the DDA site itself can be a little daunting. We also have a copy of the application on our What is DDA page. So you can right. just travel there and it's very straightforward. There's not a lot of stuff there. So, and then as far as the email address, um, yeah, I'm going to throw that in there too.
1: Awesome. And that is specifically for Central Region, which our county is included. If you need to know of other counties and what region they fall into, that can be found on the actually on the, ap- the application, the last page of the DDA application. And I will say we also have the DDA application, or DDA has it in Spanish as well.
0: I think that uh, that is up on our site as well. So good stuff. We are so helpful.
1: Look at that. (laughs) Look at us saving the world one document at a time. (laughs) So after you complete that application and send it along, I advise parents to write the date on the top of your application or on a sticky, um, along with what documentation you sent with the application just to have it on hand because I know previously I've had parents send it and I would put a copy in the transition file at school and we would not hear anything from DDA and I would go and check with the eligibility specialist who would say we don't have any application on file for that student and I remember one scenario where I was actually able to go back and see oh no this application for you know John Smith was sent on March 12th with this documentation. And lo and behold, an email came back. Oh, yes, we've found that application. So as we all know, it's not a perfect system. Keep records and don't be afraid to be the squeaky wheel. Since the pandemic, I think we, the transition specialist parents, we've all seen that needs to happen. And you need to be your big, the biggest advocate for your child.
0: And then so once the application has been submitted, what's the next step in the process? Like how, like essentially how would... What's the guarantee that the families would find out that their that their application was received?
1: So once the application's been submitted, usually within a couple of weeks, you should get a letter, typically a letter, um, from DDA. Um, so just be mindful of your mail um, because a lot of times the DDA will come back and say, oh, no, we sent a letter. We never heard from the family. Um, and I should say be mindful of that timeline because – DDA said we've sent it and parents haven't gotten it. And I find that kind of odd. Um, you can always ask your transition specialist to help. Help reach out, figure out who to go to if they haven't heard anything.
0: Is that letter or the packet that they receive, is that, is that specific to the families or is that something that is, it like gives you general information?
1: I am glad you said that because it is a very generic letter, whether it is to set up, I'm ahead of myself, The generic letter will be sent uh, after they make a determination and that can be very confusing. But ahead of that, you will get a letter um, saying that they want to complete a comprehensive assessment with you and your young adult. And that is when you will actually have a coordinator come to your house and it's a random coordinator just assigned to the case and they have to meet your young adult and meet with you and just make sure everything that they read about them on paper fits with they are seeing and hearing. Um, And just to clarify how much need really is necessary for this young adult, especially, you know, as they get older. And I know thinking about like the IEP process, we like to come forward and, you know, review all the strengths and progress that our our child has made during the year. With DDA, it's the opposite. You really want to think about your child on one of their hardest days and let them know just how much help they would need um, to get by and how much help you would need to get by. N- they need to know the most amount of support that would help this person have a meaningful life after 21. I,
0: I, and, I, and I know that this has come up before. The dip, DDA is typically funding for after 21. My thoughts go to, is there anything that will help parents like right now?
1: Yeah. So, and I've, I've encountered this a lot, especially since the pandemic, you know, it's been hard on a lot of families and help is needed. It's all great to fill out an application for DDA, but then to hear that it's not really until after 21, it's kind of disheartening. So, like I said before, there are circumstances prior to 21 that funding could be available. And from DDA side, there is the family supports waiver, which could be for children um, and the families but it requires certain statuses, which would be either crisis resolution or crisis prevention.
0: Oh, that yeah. that's, that sounds pretty... Okay, so what is... Uh, how would you define crisis resolution?
1: So in DDA's eyes, crisis resolution is when there is a significant crisis present and services are needed right away because... They are either experiencing a lot of physical aggression in the household, either towards others or the young adults expressing it towards themselves. Um, They're going to be homeless. Um, They might be a victim of abuse or neglect, or they're living with a caregiver who's not able to provide the care to them um, because of impaired health. So I've gone down the path with um, a few families about behaviors and the increase in behaviors from their young adult and, you know, puberty hits and it usually does spike with many. So uh, it's just important to be very honest and open about what you are experiencing at home um, so that they know that the there really is a need for it.
0: So that would be crisis resolution. And then how is that different from crisis prevention?
1: So crisis prevention is that within a year, they notice that services may be needed, Um, and it could be that they are at risk from meeting crisis resolution within the year, um, or even if they have a caregiver who's 65 years or older and they recognize that it's getting harder for them to care for them. So it's just they're recognizing that the need may be there, but of course, DDA is going to see if there's any other resources or um, any other providers that can help. You know, take care of them prior to using DDA's funding for anything.
0: So so like, they will
1: see if there's other you know waivers or other avenues to go,
0: so crisis prevention is kind of looking at things long term, whereas crisis right. resolution is the immediate current right got, got it. okay. yep. Yeah. And then, so we have so that, and that is all under the umbrella of the family supports waiver. Now, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, I remember, We and it had come up before low intensity support services or lists. Mm -hmm. And what is list funding? List funding. And what is that?
1: So that is funding um, that is given through a lottery process. It's a random selection, and it's provided two times a year in the fall and the spring. And um, unfortunately, if you if your young adult is on the autism waiver, they are not eligible for this. But um, it does provide up to two thousand dollars each time to help any eligible children or adults with um, developmental or intellectual disabilities to purchase different services or items for their needs. And DDA has a lengthy list on their website that gives examples of what the funding could be used for. Um, but just to give you some examples, I know families who have used it to pay for summer camps each year, any modifications that might, be ne- n- might need to be made to the home, um, an ad- adapted bike, if you want to buy an iPad um, for your young adult, or even if you want to make a garden in the home, if they have an interest in horticulture, it is a great possibility to get that extra money for some help. So, with LIS,
0: you had mentioned that this is a lottery, and I'm pretty sure I know what that means, but could you just give me, could you tell me what that means just for anybody who's not sure?
1: It's a simple little application i think it's just like one page that you submit and your name is put in there or your child's name is put in there and you get a letter in the mail to find out if you have been given or granted the money you do not need to have a dda application on file either this is kind of separate from that so it's something that can be accessed before 21 and it's even something that can be accessed after 21
0: all right so we have the so we've talked about the family supports waiver low intensity support services is there anything else
1: so if you if your young adult is ap- applicable for medical assistance um, there are waivers available through there such as community first choice that can help with some of those personal supports needs in the home um, and if you are not eligible or if your young adult is not eligible for medical assistance yet when they turn 18 and I know we've kind of talked about the the timeline with receiving SSI and then automatically being eligible for um, Medicaid or medical assistance, then they would be eligible for this. So community first choice is a waiver through Medicaid that could provide some personal care, personal supports. Um, And usually they're not the staff. You'd be given hours. um, Each number, each individual gets a certain number. And it is not typically you know, won't be taking them in the community. It's more to help in the home with the grooming and hygiene just to give the caregiver a, a little break. Community first choice is a nice option to, to kind of fit around your DDA funding after 21. So for instance, you know, and we'll get a little more into it, but with DDA, it is um, about a meaningful day. So a meaningful day and that could look like different things for different people, but let's say you have a day program as your meaningful day but mom or dad go to work in the morning or they're still at work in the afternoon when the day is over for the young adult, that community first choice could be used on either end in order to provide some assistance, you know, getting them ready to go or getting them off the van and staying with them in the house until they get home. So it's just a matter of working the funding.
0: Taking the next step then, when uh, one of the common acronyms that we always run into is the CCS or the Coordinator of Community Service. So what is the, what would be a definition of Coordinator of Community Service?
1: Yeah, and that'll kind of be, bring me back up because I don't think I finished going through the whole process after you have that assessment, that comprehensive assessment. But the, the CCS is the Coordinator of Community Service and they are kind of your middleman to DDA. It might They might be your lifeline at times as you approach 21. Um, But they will be, and I think coordinator is the key word. They are your coordinator for these DDA services. After you finish that comprehensive assessment and you need to be on the lookout for a letter from DDA, again, if you don't receive anything in a timely manner, then try and reach out either to your transition specialist or the eligibility specialist up at DDA just to follow up. They will send that generic packet that everyone gets and the key thing to be on the lookout for is what the, they have deemed the status for your young adult at that time. Um, within all that text, you'll see a little section that might say, you know, DD future needs, um, no CCS assigned. So what that is telling you is that they've determined that your young adult will be eligible and will need that funding at 21 after they leave the school system. And they're saying that there's no funding now. Because they're not 21. And I think that's the most confusing thing for a lot of families because I will get a very you know um, anxious phone call or email saying, well, they said there's no funding. I said, well, that's true. They don't have funding right now because they're not 21, but they're telling you yes, when he hits 21, they will be ready for him. Um, so DD future need, it, it's a good thing. DD current request means that they recognize typically that your child will be exiting within three years so this usually is the status for students who are ages 18 to 21 Um, and current request would usually mean you're assigned a coordinator or ccs sometimes and i don't know why dda does this but i've had students who were 14 or 15 and are at current request i there's no rhyme or reason to it but hey, then you get a coordinator assigned, um, which isn't a bad thing. You won't get much from them at that point, but you'll have a person who may change again and again and again before they hit 21. But um, so DD current requests basically recognizes that um, they also will receive those services at 21, but you might have a coordinator now. And then the last category is supports only. Now this one um, could be for a few reasons. Supports only basically recognizes maybe there's a need, but not have a, enough need, um, and they're not going, they're not eligible to, re- to receive services at 21. You're not going to have a coordinator. Um, and it used to be a waiting list, but they're just, there's nothing for that group now, supports only. I've had families who have been given that status before just because when they submitted the DDA application, they didn't include documentation with it. So DDA didn't see the need or recognize the fact that even though they have a disability, it might not impact them long term yet. They needed that, you know, reports or IEP to show that it does. Um, The other reason could be if there was too old of documentation sent, they just need more current assessments completed and sent to them. So I wouldn't worry if you got a supports only and your child is still younger, um, usually by 18. If they are still supports only, I definitely suggest sending them updated assessments and if you don't have those from school yet try and find out where that reevaluation is happening so it can align and you can get those updated assessments it's possible to upgrade the status from that so back to that coordinator mm-hmm. the coordinator of community services ccs usually when you are told that you're going to be assigned one, you get another generic letter from dda and says you need to pick an agency otherwise we're going to pick one for you and again, parents don't know what to do. I, I, I wish they didn't send so many generic letters because it's just so impersonal. But anyway, they will list the different agencies you can pick from. And you're, the parent is just supposed to select one. And I always get the question, well, how do I know which one's better? What do you suggest? Who should I go with? And honestly, you can look at the websites. You can gather information about each one. But your best resource would be talking to other parents mm-hmm. and who have a coordinator and ask them their opinion. And um, go on those Facebook groups for parents or, you know, if there's a group through the county or your school, just gather some information from others who are going through it. That's going to be your best bet. And I can tell you amongst all of them since the pandemic, there has just been a huge turnover and it's unfortunate. But I can't say one has it better than the other, but it really comes down to the coordinator that you're assigned, not so much the agency. Because you might have a really good coordinator with an agency that others are like, meh. And you always have the option to change coordinators and agencies. And it's not an overly long process. I've had parents in their exiting year switch agencies and it was only a two-week turnaround and they were matched up with a new one. But just so you know, for our county, we have four, five now. Nope, six now. Sorry. They just added a new one. And that would be service coordination. MMARS or Medical Management and Rehabilitation Services, the coordinating center, Optimal Healthcare, Total Care, and the newest one is Beatrice Loving Heart.
0: But so, again, it sounds like the best thing to do is to talk to other parents, like and, absolutely, and, and use their experiences.
1: And I will say too, there can also be confusion. These are not the agencies who are going to provide the actual services through DDA. These are the agencies that the coordinator who you, you will pick or the agency that you will pick the coordinator will be assigned to you to help you navigate the DDA providers and timeline and paperwork. So.
0: Once again, there's always a lot of information there. All right. Well, yeah. I would I, I want to say that that will be a good place to stop.
1: I agree. I think that's plenty. <music> Thank you for joining us. Make sure to follow the information from this and other shows in our show notes. Make sure to like, follow, and share the podcast if you can. And check out our website. It's chock full of information around transition. Also, hot off the presses, check out our new YouTube channel. We don't have any original content yet, But we have um, currently a lot of curated videos around guardianship, alternatives to guardianship, ABLE accounts, and there'll be more to come. Mm -hmm. So be sure to subscribe that as well. And please, if you have any questions or you want to hear more information about something, please reach out. You can find our contact information on the website along with lots of other information. So please go to www.postsecondarytransition.com.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic. All right. Well, I think we're done.
1: I think so. I think that was good.
0: Okay. Well, I'm going to stop pressing the record button.
1: All right. I'll see you next time.
0: Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.
1: Bye.